Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Sunday. A graduation Sunday will be where we celebrate our graduates. And as far as I know, what I've been told, we have three graduates. Um, I, I will tell you that I have a favorite graduate. Guys, can you fix that camera over there? You see how it's leaning to the left a little bit? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, graduates, okay, I don't remember what I was thinking about. We have three graduates. We have Ezekiel. Uh, we have um, Brittany Johnson, and then we have my personal favorite, Juliana Green. Uh, sorry, I just prejudiced. That's how it is. And so we're going to be presenting them with a graduate service next Sunday, and Will's going to be sharing the word that day so I can focus on my daughter graduating. Uh, that's the last one to graduate. We've, we've kicked them all out of the house. So I'm, by this fall, it's just going to be just me and Jenny. And our dogs. So, but uh, we're glad. So ne- make sure you come next Sunday to help us to celebrate our graduates. Amen. And uh, if you want to bring some money to give to them, I would encourage you to do that. We're not going to do it through the church. I'm going to have you give it to them directly. Because if I do it, I have to give them a tax form. And I don't want to do that. So just have them give it to you directly. If you want to give the money to me, you can do that. But they'll never see it because you gave it to me. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, the Lee students, some of you know that we're here on uh, this past week. Uh, some of you spent some time with them, and uh, they were here. And so they left out Saturday morning, early in the morning, and they gave me some socks. You probably can't see them. It's called Lee University socks. Will I have Lee University socks? You can't have any, sorry. Um, so it was kind of cool. We got to enjoy some time with them. And uh, uh, I want to thank the people that interacted with them, uh, and I appreciate that. They came away with some great stories, and uh, thank you for the people that provided a way for them to go up to the tram, <laughs> and uh, uh, they enjoyed going up to the tram. So they just had a great time in Juneau, and it looks like they're going to come back next year. Not that particular group, but the leaders are going to come back next year. And so we just uh, really appreciated you welcoming them. This, this church is so hospitable the way that you welcome people. And I appreciate that. They just really enjoyed that. And, and uh, they got a, a lot of education on the culture, which I appreciate that as well, because they didn't know about the culture. So that was good. So I'm going to talk about something today that I don't know if anybody else struggles with, except for maybe me. Maybe this message is just for me. When I go through the line at McDonald's, Anybody work in McDonald's here? Okay. When I go through the line at McDonald's, I'll always get in the line, because you know they have those two spots, right? I'll always get in the line that is the slowest. When I go, I always measure it. I, I, I do some calculations in my head, and I'm thinking, okay, this is the line that's moving fast. I'm going to get in this line. 
And all of a sudden, there's a breakdown in communication. The person ahead of me is ordering for a Girl Scout troop. And, I, and it takes 45 minutes to get their order, whereas people in the other line are going zipping through, right? And I get up there, and I say, I want a cheeseburger. A what? <laughs> a cheeseburger. A quarter pounder? And I start to lose my mind. And, 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 and they bring up my order, and, and they, they always, and I'm not, listen, I'm not ragging on the people at McDonald's. I'm making a point here, but I think we've all experienced this moment, okay? And I, 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 they bring up the order, and it's completely wrong. And they say, is the order on your screen correct? No. And I try to correct them, and they still mess it up. And, we get, and if they finally get it right, and then I have to wait another two hours to go through the line. By this time, I'm starving, right? And I finally get through the line, and I pay, because they want their money. i got to pay first. And I get through the line, and they give me my meal, and the meal is wrong. And I said, listen, I ordered some fries. No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. No, you didn't. We would know. <laughs> I pull out my receipt. See, it says fries. Well, then that's wrong. <laughs> At this point, I'm not a very holy person. I get a little, anybody been frustrated like that? And, and, and I get frustrated and I want to say something and I'm ready to just, you know, you know, spew forth hatred and venom. And then my wife holds my arm and says, remember, you're a pastor. And I'm like, but I don't want to. I want them to realize what they're doing wrong. Or, and so we finally get an order right and we get it home and, it, and, it's, and it's still wrong. <laughs> and so, or I'm driving down the road down the other day and I was driving down Egan Road and, and I got behind this one car that was going 10 to 15 miles less than the other cars. And I couldn't get around him, and I was getting frustrated, and I was kind of waving my arms like this. I was, come on, come on, come on. And then my wife says, she puts her hand on me. She goes, remember, you're a pastor. And I said, can I forget for like 10 minutes? Is anybody else impatient besides me? I mean, I, I just get so impatient, and, and, and it, it, I get so frustrated. My wife, you know, she's at home, and she's cooking, and, and I, I look at her, and, you know, I do the thing that a husband shouldn't do. I say, why isn't dinner ready yet? Guys, don't do that. That's a bad thing to do, okay? That just causes problems, right? And then what she'll do is she'll cook, and I'll go behind her, and I'll start eating part of the meal while it's in the skillet. Again, don't do that because it's very hot, and it burns your tongue, right? And I get impatient. I said, I want food, and, and, and I, I hate Waiting on stuff. As a matter of fact, my wife will attest to this. I'm the only person that wants to open their Christmas present a week early. I don't want to wait till Christmas Day. My excuse is I want Jesus to have his own day. <laughs> it sounds good, right? Really, it's just that I am patient. Does anybody else, else hate waiting? Does anybody else, they, they're, they're not patient does anybody else feel that overwhelming sense that you're just ready for something to happen and you want it to happen right now? Does anybody else ever feel like you want it and you want it right now? You want patience as long as you can have it right now? Anybody else feel that way? You know, it's hard to wait. But in Psalms 27, 14, this is scripture I want to share with you today. He says this, Psalms 27, 14. He says, wait 
on the Lord. Does that say help the Lord? Does that say give the Lord a hand? Does that say, does that say, God, I can give you, I can do this for you? What does it say? It says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Then in case we didn't understand it, he says it again, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. I'm going to say it again. Wait on the Lord. Now, I want to make sure we understand what that scripture means, because the way it implies, it means like to wait, like to serve the Lord. Right there, that word actually means to be patient. To be patient. God is asking me to do the very thing that I can't do. God is asking me to do the very thing that I don't want to do. The thing about McDonald's is McDonald's is instant food, right? You can get it right away, but is it good for you? What does it do? It makes you big, right? <laughs> Look at this. This is McDonald's, right? I got a lot of McDonald's hamburgers in there. McDonald's food is bad for you. It's not even really meat. It's not good for you. But if you go to a restaurant and they make you a fine meal, does it come out right away? No, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time to prepare that. And brothers and sisters, what I want to share with you this morning is when you wait on the Lord, when you let God do the things that he needs to do in your life, when you wait on the Lord, good things are going to come, but we have to wait on the Lord. We have to let him process things. We have to let him work it out. We have to let him do those things. We don't need to step in and get involved. God says to wait on him. See, David was a king in Israel. But before he was a king, he was an 18-year-old shepherd. Can you come get this for me? I'm getting high. Thanks. I know I just put it on. Thanks, son. You're the best son I got. Everybody awake this morning? I feel like you're not awake yet. Okay, good. Everybody just say, hey. Okay, good. You're awake. I was worried you were falling asleep there. David was a shepherd, and he was anointed to be king at 18 years old. Can you imagine anointed to be king at 18 years old? 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. And the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Brothers and sisters, in other words, what happened is God anointed David at that moment to be king. God anointed him and says, I have chosen you. See, I want you to know this morning, in the same way, in the same way that God anointed David, God has come upon you and anointed you for his service. The moment you gave your life to him, the moment that he called your name, the moment that you said, yes, Lord, God anointed you and he gave you a job to do. Amen. He said, you are my child. I have special plans for you. I have something that I want you to do. I have anointed you. I have consecrated you. I have called you. You are my chosen vessel. Does that scare anybody? It used to scare me. But if the Lord says, I have anointed you, I have called you. The word anointing means to consecrate to make holy. God has made you holy this morning. Amen. Now, does that mean all of us in this room are actually holy? Well, there's some things we're working on, right? 
Does anybody still get mad? Maybe slip up and say a bad word? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> all right? Does anybody get mad and maybe, you know, lie or something? I mean, we all do things we shouldn't do, but understand that through the grace of God, He has anointed you. He has made you holy. Praise God. See, Israel had a king already, a leader, but that leader was rejected by God, and the nation was in trouble because of that leader. Brothers and sisters, I will tell you this morning, we have people in the church who have been in the church in a long time that have not lived up to their anointing, okay? I want you to know that this morning. They come to church and that's all they do. They have not lived up to what God has called them to do. You are anointed and soon you will be appointed, amen? It is time to serve God. Praise God. It is time for the people of the church to rise up and be more than what you are. Praise God. Now listen, curl your toes because I may step on them sometimes, okay? The problem the church has had for too long, we've had people come in and they've compromised the word of God by their actions. They've compromised the word of God by the things that they do. They may have considered themselves holy, but they're not holy because they're not living according to the word of God. God said, go, and the church hasn't gone. The church has stayed, if anything else. It is time for the church to go because God has anointed you yet. He has anointed you this morning. And I want you to know, I want you to know that he's preparing you. See, in God, there's no compromise on spiritual matters, but the defining word of Saul when he was king is he was the king of compromise. Everything he did was a compromise. But just because David was anointed did not mean he was ready to be appointed. There's a difference between those things. He had to wait about 12 years to become king. In the time that he became anointed to the time he became appointed, he was hunted down by King Saul, and he was almost killed several times. He was hunted down like an animal. He had a javelin thrown at him. His people just, uh, betrayed him. His friends betrayed him. He was, uh, was forced to live in ex exile. His family was stolen from him by raiders, which nearly cost him his followers. Everything that David did for 12 years, he knew that he was anointed, but instead of stepping into the time of blessing, he stepped into a time of trial. He stepped into a time of trouble. He stepped into a time of turbulence and, and, and hard times. I want to tell you that when you become anointed, don't think for a moment that you're going to step in and there's going to be this heavenly choir that says, oh, you're anointed now. Oh, if anything, you start going through difficult times. You start going through trials. But that's why we need the church of God, because we come together and we say, you can make it. You can make it. If you're here this morning and you're struggling, I want you to know you're not alone. All of us are struggling with something. I get phone calls from all of you. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? I'm dealing with this. Can you pray for me? I'm going through this. Can you pray for me? Of course I'll pray for you, but we got to pray for each other. Amen. We can do this together. Amen. But just because you're going through something doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. As a matter of fact, what it means is he's preparing you. He's preparing you. Amen. See, and all that David went through, even though sometimes he wavered, he kept coming back to God through the trial. See, that's what defined David. Even if he failed, even if he did something wrong, he'd keep coming back to God. 
He would repent. He would get on his knees and say, God, I'm a sinner. I messed up. Make it right with me. See, Saul tried to cover up his lies. He tried to blame everybody else. How many people in church have you seen try to blame somebody else for what they did? Honey, you didn't. Somebody didn't do that to you. We did it ourselves, didn't we? We like to blame everybody when really it's us. God, nobody made you drink that, uh, that drink. Nobody made you smoke that cigarette. Nobody made you to have that affair. Nobody made you to do those things you shouldn't have done. I'm going to tell you, but when you sin, when you fall short of the glory of God, God says, come back to me and repent and admit what you've done. And that's what David did. That's what David did. And that's what made him a better king than Saul ever could. You're going to go through those trials. You're going to go through those hard times. You're going to go through those struggles. When you, when you fall down, it doesn't mean that God has kicked you to the curb and doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. If anything, God reaches out to you and says, I got you. Come back to me. I want to tell you this morning with all of my heart, if you've fallen short, that doesn't make you something that God wants nothing a part of. He's pulling you close, but you also have to understand that you're going to go through it. Because do you understand that everything is God has done for you just to get you where you are? See, God loves you. Now, I don't think we understand the scope of when I say God loves you. I see Champ over here, and I, I could just, I could tell that Randy and Helen really love Champ. Right? I mean, if you see Randy, his chest pumps out like this, and he goes, I got a son. I did the same thing when I had my son. I had my chest pumped out. I was showing everybody a little picture of him when he was, you know, the little sonogram that they do. I was just like, I have a son. But the first time Champ messes up, are you going to just put him outside and want nothing to do with him anymore? What are you going to do? Are you going to love him, right? When my son messes up, even at 20 years old, if he messes up, I look at him and, and I correct him. But I say, but son, I love you. Because I want my son to grow up and be successful. I don't want him to grow up and, and, and not be successful. Now, what he does is his choice, but he's making good choices now. And I'm proud of him. And he's doing a good job. But I want him to know that I love him in the same way that I feel towards my son, in the same way that I feel towards my daughter. So God feels about us. Amen. Maybe your mom and dad has rejected you, but God will never reject you. If anything, we reject God. If anything, we reject God. God has called you, and he has anointed you. And Peter, he said you're a chosen people. In Ephesians, he says that you were predestined. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, he said we are anointed and we are sealed. Listen to this, verse 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. See, God put a lot on the line for you. He anointed you. And some of you know that you have that calling, that dream, that vision. Or maybe, maybe it's more than that. Maybe, maybe you have a prayer request that you've been praying. And, and you're waiting on God and you're becoming tired and you're becoming impatient. I want to tell you this morning that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. God is faithful. Amen. He's faithful. But the time 
between the anointing and the appointing are two different things. Everybody hear me? The time between the anointing and the appointing are two different things. Do you know why? Because even though we're anointed and God has made us holy, doesn't mean that we are actually holy. Now, hear me out. We still have some tendencies. We still have some ways about us that need to change, don't they? We still have some things about us that God has to surgically remove from us before we can make it right. See, God anointed us because he wants us to get into heaven. But to serve him or to have our prayers answered, sometimes he has to do a little surgery on us. See, this is where people get discouraged and they turn away from God because God is not answering the prayer on their terms. You ever cooked food in a microwave? I love soup. I love Campbell's soup. I have about six or seven soups that I love. And, and uh, I put it in their microwave for two minutes because it's easy. I just put it in there, heat it up for two minutes, grab it. And you ever grab something out of a microwave and it's like super hot? Like, ow! And you try to grab it and you're about to burn your hands off. And, and you put your spoon into it and you're just so happy you're about ready to taste some deliciousness. You guys ever notice I give a lot of food examples? I just noticed that. Who's hungry besides me? Amen. So you go to put your spoon in there, and you take a big old bite of soup, and it's cold. Then you take another bite of soup from somewhere different, and it's about to burn your mouth off. Anybody notice that? It's like the microwave heats up your food in a hurry, but it doesn't heat it up all the way the same way, does it? Maybe your microwave is different, but mine's weird. It's, it's possessed, I think. But if you heat up your micro, if you heat up your soup of the stove, and it may take longer, but it's going to be done the right way. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that when you try to rush God, the results are not going to be right. It's not going to work out. But when you let God have his perfect way in you, when you let God work in you, when you let God touch you, then he is going to prepare you for that moment. He's going to prepare you for that moment. See, God's promised us, God's promised us, but it hasn't happened yet. What has he promised you? What are you waiting on? Maybe it's a relative to be saved. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's ministry. Because you feel God telling you to do something. I know when people look at me and say, just wait. I hated it. I don't want to wait. I'm ready now. Truth is, is I was never ready. I became ready when God said I was ready. Micah said this in Micah 7, 7. He says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. You ever been in a room with someone, you're trying to talk to them and they can't hear you? Like you're saying, hey, and you start talking about something and they look at you and say, oh, were you talking? Does that annoy anybody else? 
Or like they're in another room and they're having this conversation and you hear a little bit and you go in there, were you talking to me? Yes, I was talking to you. Did anybody else have a problem with that besides, well, I'm not going to go into who it was. See, when God, when I call on God, listen to me. When I call on God, he hears me every time. He hears me. Even if I say it under my breath, he hears me. Even if it's in my dream, he hears me. I want you to understand this morning that God hears every prayer request that you've made. God hears every tear that you roll down your cheek. He hears your request. He's not ignorant to your request. He's not deaf to your request. God hears you this morning. Amen? But to wait on the Lord shows trust and patience. Lamentations 3.25 says this. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Now I want you to hear that for a second. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Did you guys just see that blessing there? Did you see that blessing there? That when you wait on him, that he becomes good to you? That he blesses you? Now, I had never seen that before in all my life. And God opened this up to me because I have some prayer requests that I've been waiting on. I've been waiting on some things to happen. And God says, okay, are you ready? And I said, I'm ready, Lord. He goes, okay, just wait for it. It got like a little toddler. I don't want to wait. But there's a blessing in waiting. I've been praying about one particular thing, and I felt like God answered the prayer. And he said, stop praying about it. And you're thinking, wait a minute, why would God tell you to stop praying about it? It actually happened in scripture a couple of times. He said, you don't need to pray about that anymore. I've already answered that request. But God, I feel like I need to pray. He goes, no, now you need to wait. Now you need to trust me. Now you need to have patience. Because you know what? In waiting, in the patience, he's working on us. He's working on us. Sometimes, depending on the promise, we're not ready for it. That may mean that we have to change some of our relationships to receive what God has for us. Brothers and sisters, let me, let me put it to you like this. You can't be friends with the devil and receive from God. Okay? Oh, pastor, I'm, I'm not friends with the devil. Oh, what are you watching? What are you putting into your eyes? What are you putting into your brain? What are you saying about other people behind their back? What are you looking at or putting on social media? I could go on if you guys would like me to. You cannot be friends with the devil and receive a blessing from God. We have to receive from God. Amen. Can we shut that door, Bobby, please? Thank you. That may mean that you have to give up some addictions. You know what addictions are? It's not just drugs and alcohol. You know what addictions are? I just kind of mentioned it. Social media. If every time you turn on the phone, the first thing you go to is social media, you might have a problem. Social media has done more damage to our younger generation than anything 
has ever in the history of mankind. Social media brings damage. It's not that social media itself is evil, but it's addicting. They try to make it addicting. Then we have alcohol, we have drugs, we have cigarettes. All those things are addictions. We may have to walk away from some of those addictions. It may mean that there's some things in our life that have to go. If there's anything in your life that is more important than Jesus, then it has to go. I'm going to say that one more time because I I really want you to hear my heart here. If there's something in your life that is more important than Jesus, then it has to go. If you're being pulled to follow one way, but you know this is the right way, then that has to go, whatever you're being pulled towards. In this life, they will tell you that this is more important. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And you've got to do that. No, what we have to do is follow Jesus. If anything in your life is more important than Jesus, it has to go. It has to go. Jesus has got to become the only thing. Because when that process of he's working on you, he's working on establishing his lordship in your life. Because our God is a jealous God. He wants all of you, not just a part of you. See, my wife and I have had to do some house cleaning recently, or spring cleaning, so to speak, because when we moved into our house, we just kind of threw stuff everywhere. We had to go through and kind of look at everything and determine whether or not we want to keep it. You know what I realized? That we had a lot of junk in our house, didn't we? We had a lot of, and I kept asking her, I said, what is this for? And she says, I don't know. And you know what we did? We threw it away. We had candy bars and food, like old food, by the way, like just stored away in backpacks that had probably been there three years because <laughs> we went hiking and we had this food in there. And we realized, wow, that, that's kind of bad for us. It's no longer useful. We need to, we need to throw that away. See, what happens in a closet is a closet is useful because you can kind of put things out of sight. But when you put things out of sight, out of sight, out of mind, and we forget about it, and it's there, and it kind of takes on a life of its own, doesn't it? You guys understand that's what happens in our heart? We put things away in our heart that we don't want to deal with, we don't want to face, that we don't want to, we don't want to, to contend with, and it just grows. and festers. Jesus comes into our life and he says, I want to go in that closet and I want to clean that closet out. And we're like, no, Lord, don't go in my closet. When I was a kid, my mom and dad asked me to clean my room. And so I took literally all of my toys and I stuffed them in the closet. They opened the door, toys went everywhere. And then she said, I thought I told you to clean your room. Well, technically I did what we do with Jesus sometimes. It comes into our heart and we stuff away those things that we don't want anybody to see. But Jesus says, I want all of you. And in this process of preparation to answering your prayer or getting into the ministry or whatever he's told you to do, whatever those things that he's told you to do, he goes in and begins to clean those things out of you. He begins to remove those areas in your life. 
He begins to take things from you, not for the purposes of hurting you, but to keep you from being hurt. He's trying to heal you because we put away things that bring us hurt. We put away things that bring us trauma. We put away things that cause us great grief. And they will tell you if you've learned any psychology at all, you can't just put away things that have happened to you. You have to deal with it. You have to face it. But what they never told you is that there is a God in heaven that is willing to help you through it and not only help you through it, but guide you through it and love you and heal your brothers and sisters. God wants to bring these things into your life. He wants to bring it to life and he wants to heal you. See, too many of us come to church waiting on God to do something and he, we wonder why he hasn't done anything. It's because we really haven't been honest with him. We're holding on to stuff. See, trusting the Lord, having patience, it's a hard thing to do. It's not easy because it requires you to give something that you've held on to because you want to hold on to it. But God says, give it to me. God says, let me heal you. God says, let me Take it from you. You know what he does when he takes it from you? He's not going to leave you empty. Are you ready for what he gives back? He gives you joy. He gives you peace. He gives you satisfaction. We have to wait on the Lord. Because sometimes the healing takes a long time. Sometimes the things that have happened to us take a while to work out. And sometimes it's instantaneous. We have to wait on the Lord. Isn't this the weird kind of message? Because people are used to messages like, hey, worship God and you're going to be okay. It's all instantaneous. And unfortunately, I can't really find scripture that supports that. I would love it to be instantaneous. I would love to be able to say, I'm perfect. God has made me perfect. I don't have any more pain or sorrow, but it doesn't work that way. God has to deal with that in our lives, doesn't he? God wants so much. God wants so much to take that hurt and that pain from you. God wants so much to heal you. See, I, I kind of thought this message was going to go a different way, but he's, he's, he's leading me down this way. Isn't that weird how he does that? God wants to heal you. He doesn't want you to go home and cry in your pillow at night. He doesn't want you to be sorrowful. He wants to heal you. Does that mean you may need counseling? Well, sure, we may need to be able to talk it out. That's a method that God uses to, to heal us, but maybe not. I don't know. God, God can do whatever he wants. Amen? Do you guys know that, right? God can do whatever he wants. God wants to touch you, but we got to wait on him. We got to wait. We got to wait because there's a blessing in waiting. God begins to remove those things in our life. God begins to touch us. God begins to manifest himself and he becomes real. 
You're probably sitting here thinking, well, why did I have to go through any of those things at all? Why did, why did I have to suffer the way that I did? Can I share with you that I thank God for the times that I suffered? You know why? It's because of those moments that made me love him even more. I thank God for the suffering. I thank God for the trials. I thank God for all those things that I've gone through because it made me fall in love with him and have a relationship. He's not just some distant God that I've never heard of. He is my father. He is my father. And I know that when I say father, for some of you that triggers something negative, but I want you to tell you it's positive. He's my father and I love him and he can be your father too. He loves you. I want to share one more scripture with you. But those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Praise God. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. There's an old song from a long time ago. It went like this. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You guys know this? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Come on, stand with me. Sing it one more time. And those that wait upon the Lord. Come on now. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall and shall not faint. Teach me, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Come on, everybody across this place. Raise your hand. Let's sing it again. They that wait. Come on now. Upon We wait upon you, Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Let's put the music back on. Let's put the music back on. Everybody look at me, please. Look at me. Are you tired? I don't mean just tired physically, but are you, are you tired spiritually? Are you ready to give up? See, whenever I ask this, people get uncomfortable because nobody, nobody wants to admit that I don't want anybody to know that I'm wanting to give up. I don't want anybody to see that about me. Listen, I could care less if anybody sees. I was in a minister's conference in Anchorage with all these pastors around, and I went down to the altar and cried like a baby because I needed God in that moment. I, cried. I didn't care if the other pastors saw me and they judged me. I could have cared less. I needed God at that moment. Amen. We need to get past our pride. We need to get past our, our, our vision of what other people say about us and care about us and God. Amen. So I'm asking you this morning, are you tired? 
Are you weary? Do you need strength in your heart? Do you feel like you can't go on? There is a God right now that wants to give you strength. There's a God right now that wants to lift you up, but you got to be willing to admit it. That's the hard part, right? See, in, in, in the culture, we portray it as we got to be strong. Right? Am I right? You got to be strong. Don't admit to weakness. You understand that's not God's culture. God's culture is, in my weakness, he is made strong. And my, so of course, man, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to pray, God, oh man, I need you to be strong right now because I'm not making it. Does anybody need God to be strong in their life right now? Do you need God to be strong in your life right now? Are you tired? Are you weak? Do you need something from God? If you need something from God, don't be embarrassed. I promise you, you won't be the only one. Nobody needs to know between you and God. If you're the only one, then we're going to pray over you. But I'm assure you, you won't be. If that's you right now, I want you to make your way down to the altar. We're going to pray with you. Come on, right now, come. Come. If you need something from the Lord, come. Hallelujah. I want you to kneel right here at the altar. Near at the altar if you can. I want you to tell the Lord what you need. Tell him what you need. Tell him what you need. Begin praying to him. Begin worshiping him. Begin seeking him. Tell him what you need. 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 Say, Lord, I need strength right now. I need strength right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I need strength right now, Lord. Hallelujah. I see you guys there. I'm going to come pray with you, okay? Hallelujah. Anybody else? You need something from the Lord this morning? All right. I'm going to come by and I'm going to pray for you. I believe in God's going to do something in your life today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.